Welcome, welcome to episode number 135 of The Sith List. I'm your host, Arajul Achahi, and my co-pilot for this evening's adventures into podcasting, the young, the restless, the bearded one, Mr. Carlos Buarguayo, the man we call Crunch Crunch, the comic book guru, Mr. Les is going to be coughing. You're going to be in a coffin? Coughing, coughing. Oh, it's coughing, all coughing. Up today. Gotcha. Coughing. The coughing is going to put him <laughs> into a coffin. Cough yeah. That's right. It's contagious, kids. It is. The man that I call El Hombre. The man who has golden locks and has such brittle split ends that I got nothing. Hey, man. I'm sorry. Stop that talk right now. Eric has excellent hair. I don't know why I went to the Struthers. split. I don't know why I went to the split ends. Uh, I had nothing to. How you guys doing, Eric? You're you're not feeling well, my man. Dude, I'm gonna tell you something. Please. I got two little kids, and they are germ magnets. My <laughs> little girl at her school. Okay, there's 17 kids in her class. On Tuesday, they saw the teacher going home before school started. She oh, turns no. out she was sick. Later on, Stella's got a fever. Next day, sick. There's six kids out of the 17 out. Oh, my Lord. The next day, there's seven kids out of the 17 out. And the next day, there's five kids out of the 17 in. Dude. Oh, oh my Lord. Was, yeah. What was it, like the flu? Yeah, it was going around, and a couple kids ended up with strep throat. Now, oh. I don't have any of that, but it's like, oh, for Pete's sake. You know what's going around around here with kids is uh, ear infections. My Both yes. of my nieces yes. have it. 
and my bunch of my cousins have it. It's just it's spread all over the place of the ear infections. Yeah, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Having kids is totally worth it. But dude. Yeah, I, I can't wait for all the viruses come my way in July. My goodness. How about you guys? Boo, how are you doing? I'm, I am. You're uh, healthy? I am healthy. <laughs> I, I have no ailments at this time, so I'm, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, no, we're good. Mr. Gonzalez, evidently you were coughing. I just forgot how many people actually smoke in the casino floors in Vegas. And yeah, we were in Vegas this last weekend celebrating just, our boy Andrew Medina's birthday. And yeah, Vegas is not for the fresh of air. Yeah, no. Outside it is. It's all good, man. But walking through casino floors. You're, you're, it was very beautiful outside. But then you walk in and you just oh. walk into a smoke curtain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, isn't that weird, though? Because like you, you We're guys are so used to smoking is not allowed anywhere, you know? No. And like my band, almost all the places we play are smoke free. But then we'll play a casino. And a lot of times... uh smoking aloud and yeah, it's right. like gross yeah it's weird for us because so in california they're smoking you can't smoke I and mean, if you smoke they look at you like oh a, yeah like, like a, you're a leather or something you're legit like yeah the but, worst and, of the worst but when you cross the border to nevada the casinos are nothing but smoke so oh, yeah. yeah it's totally different so we got some uh people that are healthy and some people that aren't here 50 50 50 shot here pretty much we yeah go. well i hope you both feel better yes Thanks, uh, man. Unless you cough one more time and kick you off the podcast. <laughs> you're, take it. you're coughing and you're yawning. <laughs> Jesus, you're you're re- really ready for this, huh? Oh yeah. Mother of Lord. Well I've got the same energy that I always have. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we should call you less is snooze snooze, Gonzalez, instead of crunch crunch. <laughs> we are proud members of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Podcast like now this podcast thing. Blue Harvest, Steel Wars, Rogue One. Podcast 2187, First Order Transmissions, The Cargo Hold, Fingered with Randy and Jason. Check those great podcasts out. My bad completely because we were supposed to have Mark from Podcast 2187. And I completely dropped the ball on that one because I thought this was the second Wednesday of the month. Evidently, it's the first Wednesday of the month. It's the second week of the month. So Mark, we're going to have him on soon. So I apologize to Mark. Also, thank you again to Mr. Ralph Atanasia who killed it on our podcast. And I want to apologize if the vocals didn't sound that great because uh, we had some technical difficulties on, on Ralph's and it doesn't matter because the content was great. He was amazing. So thank you, Ralph. And he was on good morning America, by the way, this morning promoting mm-hmm. the new show, check out his new show, March 10th. It's going to be awesome. Check it out on food network. Also, we have some new shirts out on T public. Check them out. Our shirts all came in just the other day. They look really cool. Eric, yours is awesome. Uh, one of my buddies bought your Ace Job shirt, by the way. Sweet, man. I got mine. And, it, you know, I told you I got the like the baseball tee style. Yeah. And white, white T-shirt center with black sleeves. It looks fantastic. It yeah. really does. And thank you to Calvin for that, by yeah, the way. Nice Calvin design. designed Calvin, that. Yes. Yeah, Calvin designed that one. It was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, dude. Calvin. Ace, jo- Ace, Ace Job making that shirt. <laughs> we have an email from Calvin a little bit later, too, by the way. And yeah, check us out on all the other social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter. We'll do all that at the end. But uh, that is the shenanigans for the week. And let's talk some box office. How to Train Your Dragon 3. The Hidden World was able to fend off Lionsgate's Tyler Perry's Medea family funeral and retain the weekend's number one spot at the box office, even though Perry's final outing as Medea 
outperformed expectations with the fourth best opening in now nine film franchise. Holy mackerel. Yep. Good for Tyler Perry. Yep. He has made a juggernaut with this. I didn't know this was the last one. Yeah. Oh, shit. Time to, time time to move on. To hang him up. Yeah, yeah, time to move on. Interesting. And this news comes from boxofficemojo.com, and it's the PSD box office report. We're still getting those underwears. That's so thank right. you, PSD. <laughs> we appreciate it. So How to Train Your Dragon, 30 million. Medea Family Funeral, 12 million. Alita Battle Angel pops up to number three at 7 million. So it's still doing really well. It's killing it worldwide. But there's your box office report. Did we watch anything this weekend? Not really. No. There's nope. a big movie coming out tomorrow. Maybe. Allegedly. Supposedly. It's Shazam. Oh. No, no, one. my bad. It's Captain Marvel. Oh, no, no. It's still wrong. Let's roll with it. Captain Marvel coming out tomorrow. We'll have a full review because we're all going to go watch it. Yep. Tomorrow night. And we'll have a full review next week. And I can't wait for that. I can't wait to go see it. The reviews are out. And Honestly, mixed reviews. Mm. They, some people say they absolutely loved it, and some people say eh, it was, wasn't that great. But, but that's how it should be. Yeah. Not, not all to one damn right. side mm-hmm. right, going, right, right. don't see this movie. But, exactly. You know, as long we, as nobody says it's last awful. Week. Yeah. No, no, I've heard some really good things about it. I've, mm-hmm. I have. I think it's time to get into a little Star Wars. Yeah, man. So check this out. <laughs> we got, first of all, Anthony Daniels. Just stop it on yeah. Twitter. Just stop, dude. Really. I regret ever following you. Stop being and a creeper, stop, 3PO. Even if I stop I- following you, people are so fed up with your shenanigans that they just retweet it to tell everybody how fed up they are. So I still end up seeing it. So stop it. Uh, stop it. So, hey, I got a, I got a few things here. Number one. Uh, Oscar Isaac talks episode nine, and uh, I got snagged this from our friends at Panthatracks.com, and this was at the premiere of the Netflix film Triple Frontier. He says, he says, it was the most fun it's been. There was just an energy, a looseness, and excitement to the whole production, and knowing that this was the conclusion of not only our time there, but the nine stories, these nine episodes of the Skywalker saga, it's incredible. I think people are just going to be blown away. And, you know, we'd heard him say something similar to that already. But it's just, it's it's cool to see him that excited. And, yeah. and throwing around words like blown away, man, that's, I'm glad. Because that's that. what, I, what I want it to be. Oh, yeah. That's, but, a, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, Mark Hamill, okay. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> He he's he's our guy. He's our guy. He's had some some goings on, man. And one of the things he talks about that's uh, on the up is he's talking about Carrie Fisher. And he said that something tells me she'd get a real kick out of the fact that she had a hit movie years after she left us. That was just her. And he's talking about how. Just like how iconic she was. And he talks about his own reaction to watching the scene with him and with himself and her in, in the last Jedi where he stands up and like kisses her on the forehead that it just right. wrecks him, you know, oh. and to see that that's, that still means so much to him. And he's still so happy that she gets to be a part of this regardless, man, that, that is really cool. And it just shows you how 
she wasn't just a big deal to the fans. She was a big deal to everybody. And I, I really dig that. Oh, that's, it's amazing. And when I was watching it, when we were all there and we were watching it, I was like, I wonder if Mark Hamill, like did that, on, they both did that on their own. They're like saying bye to each other, not knowing he didn't know that Carrie was going to pass away, but saying bye in a franchise way kind of thing. And it looks like that's exactly what it was pretty much. They didn't know what was really going to happen for episode nine. Mm -hmm. It was very touching. That was a really, really nice moment. Yeah. And, and you know, he did that just off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And and they, they were like, oh man, do that again. But now we got to get the shot frame better so we can actually grab it. Faster, more intense. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's precisely what they said. Now, here's the other piece. And this is more along the lines of, he said, okay, here's what he says. I'm not going to talk about the movies anymore. And he, he kind of ripped on the release pattern of the movies with Solo being so close. And he says, when he wraps it up, but I can be mouthy because, you know, what are they going to do? Fire me. <laughs> and he, <laughs> then he talks about the Force Awakens and how Han died and there wasn't the moment where the three bigs were together on screen. But his take on it is that nobody cared but him. Right. And I, that, no, which is not the case. <laughs> that Tons is definitely have, not the case, right? I've mentioned that. You know, I think I think the thing the, the thing that really makes it a bummer is you would have to imagine at that point that of course they had times when they were all together, but we've just completely missed the opportunity to ever capture it because Carrie's gone. Yeah. He's kind of right about that, but I mean, if that's not where the story was going, that's, you know, that's their prerogative doing it. But no, I, I understand what he's saying. Right. And and so then he goes on to talk about uh, the death of Luke Skywalker. And I'll just read the quote. So he said, then the second thing was that they killed me off. I thought, oh, OK, you should push my death off to the last one. That's what I was hoping when I came back. No cameos and a run of the trilogy contract. Did I get any of those things? Because as far as I'm concerned, the end of seven is really the beginning of eight. I got one movie. They totally hornswoggled me. Now, he has said <laughs> that before, the whole thing about only getting one movie. But this section here, man, this is the part that really kind of drives it home. And you can tell there's some truth to the fact that he wasn't super hip to how it went. There's no getting around it. But he talks about the whole and it kind of addresses and I had one pop up on my YouTube feed this week and it pissed me off because now in the YouTube app, if you hover over a video as you're sliding up, it starts to play and yeah. counts it as yep. a watch. Oh, it does it really as a watch? Yes. I had to ditch uh, it from my recently viewed videos, even that's though I shitty. never actually touched it anyway. Oh, my God. I'm like, I don't want this trash in here. But it, it, anyway, he says the thing is Luke changed so much between the first trilogy and the last trilogy. I got myself into trouble. I made a vow. I said that I'm not going to talk about the movies anymore because I think it's important for the audience to see them. My problem was I wasn't dealing with social media back then where you say something and it goes around the world in 24 hours. If I were to answer your questions on paper, I'd think, oh, that sounds a little strong or I shouldn't say this, but I have a tendency just to talk and talk and talk and you can cherry pick. You know, I'll be reading something and say, what moron said this? And then realize, oh, it's me. They can take <laughs> they can take selective comments you've made out of context and use it to support their argument. See, Mark hated Star Wars. Did I? 
that's so I'm glad that he mentions the fact that, you know, so many of these things, they're cherry picking things that he yep. said, you know, and, and, and I get it. If I was him, I wouldn't be like, man, sweet. This is exactly what I was hoping you'd do. But he's also they seem to miss the fact that he says things like, you know, this was Ryan was exactly the right guy to do this. Mm hmm. They definitely needed to move this into where it's Ray's right. and Finn's and Poe's Poe story. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, and that makes total sense because, of course, he's going to be upset that his character didn't go the way he wanted it to go. But, but and then again, he also realizes that this is not the wave of the future anymore. It's not your old Star Wars anymore. It's not your old man Star Wars. This is what the right. new audience needs to see. He said, even at the start, when he read the script, he's like, this is not the Luke that I think it will be, but this is what they want. This is what they've put together, and I will I will do my best, and I will give them yeah. what, what they want. And I yeah, think he and, did. Yeah, exactly. And he, he made sure. He's like, he wasn't 100% for it, but he said, this is, I trust them. He trusts Ryan. He trusts Lucasfilm now, and he's like, yes, this is what we'll do, and I am, I'm going to do what you want. Yeah, and that's fine. That's what he should have done, and he did, and he did a great job. What do you think, Eric, about his acting performance compared to the, well, it's not count, Force Awakens, but his acting performance compared to the other three? I, I thought that he was probably, this was his best performance that I've seen since Corvette Summer. <laughs> you know, that was definitely a high benchmark. <laughs> I mean, obviously he honed his, his craft over yeah. time. Right. He was great in Return of the Jedi when you see him being all somber and serious. Mm -hmm. He was. But, but yeah, he's had years of voice acting and and they let a little more of Mark Hamill into Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, I feel like, with the sarcastic looks and and all that sort of stuff. And as a matter of fact, there's a line where and I think I've I think I've heard our buddy Johnny Grasso say this too, where it's almost it's not Luke Skywalker. It's Mark Hamill where he says the sacred Jedi text. Yeah, it's it's so Mark Hamill. Mm -hmm. And uh, but so I think there's a little more of that in there. But yeah, I think he did a banger of a job, man. And so I got to thinking about this. As a matter of fact, today, while I was thinking about this story that we're just talking about. And I know that you could spin this one of millions of ways, but the reality, at least as far as like when I think about it, is if Luke had been the Luke that even Mark Hamill was hoping for, this over-the-top powerful, unstoppable force and all this, there wouldn't have been a First Order. There wouldn't have been a Kylo Ren. There wouldn't have been any of this conflict all these years later. Because everything would have been smelling like roses. That's true. Great point. Seriously, I th that occurred to me, and I'm like, well, damn. Y yeah, there, there. You had to have some sort of conflict to have a story. That's just how stories work. The you know the brilliant storytelling of Rusty Brown will will prove that. Ooh, that's coming, <laughs> that's coming up later, people. You know, it's they had to do something, and I, I mean. I, I get it. It's polarizing. It's the whole bit. But realistically, if they would have just had three movies about, you know, Luke Skywalker and his band of merry men going around kicking ass and taking names, it's we. <laughs> That's called were, Robin Hood. 
yeah, there would have been a certain satisfaction to it, I guess. But honestly, to make a story, you had to have something. You had to throw a wrench in the works. That's what every story that's ever been told has involved a wrench getting thrown in the works and exactly. them overcoming it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, if he's taking Star Destroyers out of the sky and that sort of thing, man, that just wouldn't have been very interesting. And it's hard to admit that. It's hard to look back and think that. And I, I get, we, we don't need to open this whole thing here. It's been talked to death. I just, I'm stoked for nine. I hope that Mark Hamill has a, at least a good amount of screen time. I mean, I don't expect him to be like a major player in it, but I don't want him to just pop up for 20 seconds and be done. I think he's going to have a huge role in episode nine. I think it's going to be different than what we are going to be expecting. I know everybody's expecting this force ghost is going to come. And it's going to train Ray some more. I don't think it's going to be that. I'm just throwing that out there right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Sorry, just... man. I've tried not to sneeze. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I thought you were being a dick. I thought he was going like, Oh yeah, is that what you think? <laughs> is that what you think, host boy? Really, Raj, really? really, really, host boy. That's where I'm at. So we'll see what happens. But I think I think Mark Hamill rules. I wish I could meet him in person and hang out. The question for you guys, real quick, before we move on: celebrations coming up. People are being scheduled here and there, and I saw Oscar Isaac was added to the to the uh, festivities. One person that you would want an autograph from in 2019, who would it be? Eric, would it be Mark Hamill for you? Absolutely. How about you, Boo? I would take Samuel Jackson as long as he puts motherfucker on it. <laughs> it's a good one. How about you? What's in your wallet? You don't want that? Have him sign your Capital One card. Now tell me, what's in your wallet? It's a motherfucker. That'd be bitching. What's your hey, wallet, motherfucker, motherfucker, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? <laughs> and he'd say, I know it's not in your wallet. The 250 bucks you just had to pay to get me to sign that. <laughs> That's about right, because he's definitely asking for it. Yeah. You got a discount to use the Capital One card. <laughs> That's tough. I don't know. Just fucking give me an answer. I really, every time I'm I ask to... Lev, you guys notice, every time I ask Les he a fucking question, on. he'll go, I, I don't know. I usually have an answer. I don't pass like Eric does. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus, but oh, damn. I apologize Eric, for that. Eric has wow. an answer. I can go back to him. Uh, mine would be Mark Hamill too, Eric, for sure. I'm Not Eddie Vedder? No, no. Eddie, what would Eddie Vedder be a celebration? Are you no, asleep oh. right now? Yeah, I am, actually. I feel like this is like uh, he, he, Johnny Grosso talking to Mike Pappas on Rogue One. <laughs> what, don't, talk, don't talk Max. Don't talk oh, I'm not Max talking Max Pappas. I, don't, don't I love me and him. I talked yeah, to him yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Keep him on another level. Hi, bye, everybody. Let's, let's, all right. I'm not dogging him. I love that's him. A, that's I'm why I'm saying, saying it's Johnny tough did. for me. It's celebration because I hate you to say something it. that I don't know that Eddie Vedder I am a Star Wars noob and I don't know what I would like to expect. You are not a full noob anymore, buddy. I'm still not going to be like. I mean, I'll gush and be cool Mark Hamill, Billy D. Williams, uh, Samuel Jackson, Oscar Isaacs, Childish Gambino, okay, Childish Gambino. If, yeah, oh, that's. A I mean, he was not yeah, I guess if child, if if Donald Glover will be there, I'll take that. Okay, sure, why not? Okay, thanks for answering. I'll take that. That would be appreciate fine. It. Appreciate that would work. Maybe they'll pay you to sit there and have. That's about right. That's what I expect, man. Royalty <sighs> walking up in this B. Eric, do you have to go through these shenanigans with the bad motivators? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Hey, he, it's like I'm glad that I have two little kids because it trains me up for every every time we record. That's funny. That's awesome. All right. Is that, is that it for the Star Wars report? 
Yeah, I think so. I okay. do. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get into some pop culture schmeals and deals breakdown. We have a Game of Thrones trailer oh, yeah, for the final do. season. Now, I haven't watched this trailer. Neither have I. <gasps> Fantastic. What the Is that right? Fuck? I have not. I've okay. seen 10 seconds of it. I'm, I need to wait till we... I talked to yeah. Rashad yesterday. He's like, please tell me you saw the trailer. And I was like, I haven't. And he just said, he got goosebumps watching it. So I'm very excited to watch this with all of you. Even though Eric doesn't watch Game of Thrones, I still want to get his perspective of what the trailer means to him. That'd be pretty funny. So let's watch the Game of Thrones final season trailer. I know death. He sure does. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. She's such a badass. On April 14th, the world literally stops. Everything you did brought you where you are now. Tormund's alive. Tormund is alive. Oh. Oh. Oh my gosh. Look at those two beautiful people. Sansa looking at the dragons. Dragons looking marvelous. Our enemy doesn't tire. Doesn't stop. How are they going to battle the walkers? Oh my gosh, snow and dragons. What else do you need? Fight for the living. I intend to keep that promise. Oh, mother of God. Look, my arms, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's everybody. I want everybody to know that these are the guys that are taking over Star Wars for a trilogy. Yep. Sweet baby Jesus. Game of Thrones final season, guys. That was unbelievable. Eric, I'm going to go to you first since you don't watch the show. What did you think of that trailer? Man, it looks great. It definitely makes me want to start watching the show. Oh, I'll good. tell you that. Good, good, good. This, These are the guys that are going to have our franchise, man. I mean, it's going to take it to other parts that we've never known about, really. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't. What do you, so what do you guys think, uh, my Game of Thrones viewers here? Uh, yeah, so incredible. Incredible. It's great seeing uh, everybody there. Like Les said, you know, Tormund's alive. Um, so is uh, Beric Dondarrion. Um, so that's answered. Um, one cool thing that I found out about this is that this trailer mainly centers around episode three, which is the battle for Winterfell. That's crazy. Battle of or four. I can't remember which one. But yeah. Yeah. Um, which is nuts. So that means that we have what seven or eight episodes? Eight, I believe eight. Eight and a little bit longer in each episode. Yeah, exactly. So and also in that episode, it's supposed to have the longest battle scene ever filmed. Man. Movie, show, whatever you want to call it. Just Oh yeah, I read about this. So like, eleven weeks to shoot. Yeah, so like an entire sh- episode of just fight scene, which is just fucking incredible. Um 
and seeing Arya, you know, she's confident, you know, or you see her running, you know, scared, terrified, and then five seconds later, she's confident. She's never seen, you know, the the Night King and all that shit. It's fucking terrifying. She doesn't see the dragons either. No, and then she she sees the Night King and you hear her say, I want this face. Yeah. So she wants to be able to take that on as Mm -hmm. a faceless man. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Which... Wow. Crazy. It's, it's crazy that you talked about that, Boo, because um, I read an article and it was on EW. Uh, Miguel Spokchnik. Great. Sapochnik. Sapochnik. Great pictures, by the way, on uh, Entertainment Weekly. Oh, really? All the, all I the didn't covers. see the pictures. I just read the. the oh, no, no, no. It's just, it's just covers and like oh, all, that's the, all the people. They do together. a great job. Oh, it's just seeing everybody together and then seeing this, you know, the, diff- the 16 different covers. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Well, the, the, the guy, what was his name again, Les? Miguel Sapochnik. Sapochnik. He's the one that directed the massive battles. Oh. Episodes Hard Home and Battle of the Bastards. Like mm-hmm. the iconic battles. Yes. This is what he said. He said, <coughs> excuse me, the episode required 11 weeks of grueling night shoots. Imagine up to 750 people working all night long for nearly three months in the middle of an open rural countryside. The temperatures are freezing in the low 30s. They're laboring in icy and piercing wind, thick ankle deep mud, reeking horse manure and choking smoke. So that's what it takes for them to just film that one episode and most of this preview is from that episode. That's the dedication these guys have. And again, this is what we're going to get for the next Star Wars. Oh, incredible. Yeah. I got goosebumps. You showed me you had goosebumps. Got really, really excited. I'm kind of okay with saying goodbye to this thing too. How dare you? You know what I mean? Looking at this trailer, I'm kind of okay with this being the final season. I just I need everything to come together. This is going to be great, and to see the 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 shot where the two the horses' hooves step up the feet. Oh yes, and they're already facing off. Oh man, it's going to be it's going to be crazy to see how they pull this off. Is uh, Benioff and Weiss are they doing the prequel as well? Or are they just going to concentrate on the Star Wars? Oh no, trilogy? they're they're done with Game of Thrones after. This. Oh, so somebody over. else is taking somebody else the is taking over. Yeah. Very cool. I am very excited about this. This is going to be amazing. And maybe we'll do a special episode like we did for the finale of last season. Maybe we'll do that. That'd be bitching. For this one. And maybe Eric Eric um, will fly uh, in. Fly in for that. No, Eric, maybe we'll start it. King Tom's going to start it. I told King Tom he has to start it because I have a new shirt coming out. And it's on, it has to do with the Iron Throne and his throne. Oh. And it has to do with Game of Thrones. And I said, I can't put that out until he starts talking about it. <laughs> so he promised me he's going to start it. He might not catch up by the time we get to the season fina- uh, season premiere, but he's going to start it. So there is your Game of Thrones. Now we have an email from Kyle. I wanted to read real quick. This is from Kyle. Hey, Sith listeners. Are you guys fans of Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth? Yes, we are. Either the movies or the books. We're both, I believe. Do you plan to cover any of the news about the new series on Amazon Prime? If so, do you have the Middle Earth expert that can really delve deep into Middle Earth mythology and speculate on the potential timelines on this series? They have recently been tweeting out teaser maps in their new Twitter handle, and their Twitter handles at L-O-T-R on Prime, Lord of the Rings on Prime. I'm a huge Middle Earth nerd, along with Star Wars and MCU, so I'm hoping to hear more on this subject from you guys in the future. Thanks, Kyle. Well, Kyle, I love the movies, and I've read one and a half of the books. And I think it's, they're fantastic. I mean, I think they're the basis of pretty much everything that we watch now. <laughs> yes. I think mm-hmm. Tolkien, mm-hmm. 
I mean, you see influences in in Lucas Spielberg. You see look. you see influences in comic books that are out now. Mm-hmm. Any anything that is out that has anything to do with fantasy and sci-fi, I think, always comes back to Tolkien. Which the new movie's coming out, by the way. Yeah, about yeah about Tolkien. A, yeah, the trailer Tolkin. just dropped today. A Very, second one. Oh, yeah. a second one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks that looks fantastic. And I know Les and Eric, you've both have read the books, and you guys are really yes. in, you were really into it. And Les, I remember, I read all four. He's the one that gave me, um, I think, the Fellowship, and I read that. I read the Hobbit. I read the Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King. Yeah. So, Kyle, we will have both of these young, fantastic human beings uh, talk about Lord of the Rings when it comes out. I'm sure they'll be happy to do so. I, I can venture to, I have a theory or a speculation of like what I would like to see. And I think, I, I would hope they would do the, uh, the creation of the rings. Ooh. Ah. That that would be the series is to the, about the creation of the rings leading up to, is it Isildur, Eric? He's the one who fights Sauron and cuts off his hand, his finger. Uh, yes, I think that's right. So I would love, for me personally, I would love to see them just go all the way into that and just go into, you know, the type, the different rings and the creation of the rings, and then leading to that battle we see in the beginning of, uh, I think it's Fellowship, if I'm not mistaken. Nice, that would be amazing if that's the case. And they're spending about like. A crazy amount of money on this production. Then that would be what they should go for. That would be cool. Kyle, let us know what you think about that. What about you, Eric? You got any speculation of any kind or what? Man, I don't know what they're going to do. I think it'll be, having a big budget to do a show like this is really cool, though. Because that, that whole world is amazing. I read those books for the first time when I was in, I want to say, the seventh grade. As a matter of fact, I know that's right. Because a buddy that I met, I lived in Atlanta for one year when I was a kid. And he turned me on to that. Mind you, when I was in seventh grade, that was a long time ago, back when the Lord of the Rings was actually like, uh, that's how the world was in real life. <laughs> but, um, but no, man, I've read the book so many times and it had like a very profound influence on me. So I'm stoked with whatever they do. There's so much room to explore. It's one of those things where like you get done reading the, so you read The Hobbit and then you read the trilogy and it's like you're bummed it's over even though it was like a super long haul. I'll yeah. tell you what not to read though. The Silmarillion. Yeah, oh, don't yeah. do that. That is a bit of a grind. There's a reason why that one hasn't been made into a film or a... Well, there's a story aspect to it, but it's basically like a big, I don't know, like appendix, appendix of... It, yeah. it's it's not intended to be read like a novel there, that yeah. wasn't i don't think that was ever the intent. No, I, I think it touches on footnotes and certain things to, ah, to it's just amazing what he did man yeah to to back up the history which is a very deep one and really cool to see that you know this uh person of the wood elves you know in their their lineage all the way down and what battles they fought in and who they helped and you know, a possessor of this ring and all that other stuff. It's like, he got really, really detailed, but whatever they're going to put out there, I'm sure is going to be great. I'm, I'm really sure. I'm hoping it is. Yeah. I and mean, we just talked about Game of Thrones. There would be no Game of Thrones if there wasn't Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This is Lord of the Rings written all over it. it the, yeah, it just completely takes and derives from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, Kyle. We appreciate it. Yes, we are very much looking forward to this thing and very much looking forward to talking about it. Um, so that, that's very good. There's, there's, uh, we're going to move on to 
some controversy in the world of geekdom. Steven Spielberg versus Netflix. So we have an On the Throne with King Tom that has to do with this, I believe. I haven't listened to it, so I'd love to get all your takes on this. Uh, but let's see what Mr. Tom Chansky has to say about it. Let's do On the Throne with King Tom. Gentlemen, the king. Hey there, Sith listeners and Sith listeners. I want to start off by saying that when it comes to media, awards don't matter to me. While I think it's great when creators I follow and enjoy are recognized for their excellence, whether or not a movie or comic book TV show actually wins an award or loses an award doesn't matter to me at all. The reason I'm saying that is because I read something in the news this week about Steven Spielberg, perhaps the most prolific director of all time. He's petitioning the Academy that awards the Oscars to change the rules so that only films that received certain theatrical releases could be eligible for the Academy Awards. And this is in response to the fact that a movie, Roma, that was released through Netflix was up for an Academy Award. And I read this story and I look at what Spielberg is saying and I have to wonder what the hell is he thinking? He's a very accomplished director. He made his way up through the system. You know, 50 years ago, he was a student director looking for work. But now he's at the top of the heap. And what he's saying is essentially closing the door to a lot of people whose stories aren't told. There's a definite power dynamic in Hollywood, as there is in all media. The studios, most of the people who are telling stories at the studios are men who look like Spielberg. And while Netflix isn't perfect, it gives different types of voices the opportunities to work and to share their work with others. And there's more stuff on Netflix than I could ever be interested in, but I'm glad that that's there. So I think that Spielberg is totally seeking the wrong type of thing, and he's actually hurting people who are now where he was all those years ago. In an interview, maybe about 20 years ago, George Lucas said that he foresees a future where people will be making movies in their garage. And we're there right now. But choosing to recognize only those who work through the system is not the way to encourage others. And what I'm about to say next is not meant as a defense of what Spielberg is saying or his argument at all. But some are saying that he's doing this because the studio system is in trouble. They're threatened by Netflix. Movie theaters are concerned they're not making as much money. And yes, there are problems with the industry that should be addressed. Is there anything you see as problems within in the film industry? And I say this as someone, I enjoy Star Wars movies. I enjoy the Marvel movies. And those are the movies that I want to see if I'm in the theater. And it, it takes a lot for me to go see a different type of movie. So I do think that more different types of movies should be encouraged. But the problem is not that awards are going to movies released through different outlets. I'm just wondering what you guys think about all this. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I will talk with you later. Well, thank you, King Tom. That's a, a great question. I've been wanting to talk to you guys about this for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. I totally understand where you're coming from and where people like Eva DuVernay mm -hmm. is very uh, against what Steven Spielberg is bringing to the table here. She's got a vested interest in it also. She has a Think signed a deal with Netflix. She signed well. a major deal with Netflix. Yeah. I think she signed a hundred million dollar deal, right? She's, to produce content, yeah, which she's been producing, and then she's got a series about the Central Park Five coming out. Yes, so that's uh, going to be amazing. But yeah, it's hard to back Steven Spielberg on this. 
the only question that I have is actors. If this is the trend, like Triple Horizons coming out Frontier. or Triple Frontiers coming out tonight. As we record. As we record. Right. It's already hit Netflix for like a couple of, yeah, for a couple of uh, the theaters, right? That's the one I really wanted to see in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I'm still going to try to see it in the theater, but it's going to be gone next week. Yes. Let's say this is the biggest movie in Netflix's history. But let's not say that it was Ben Affleck and all these A-listers that are in it, Oscar Isaacs and whatnot, Pedro Pascal. Let's say there's a bunch of new guys in there. How would we know or how would they know what to ask for money-wise for the next film? Like, mm-hmm. doesn't this hurt the actors in the long run? Because let's just say Robert Downey Jr. got points off of Iron Man and got points and percentage off of the Avengers. And here on out, he gets points for every film. If the movies aren't making money in the box office, how does Netflix show the value to of the actors? actors? Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I'm uh, a little bit questioning. But I, I don't get Steven Spielberg's hang up. Um, Netflix is a place where people can watch movies. I don't prefer to watch films like you guys all know. Movies like big movies, production movies in my bedroom or in a living room. I want to be in a movie theater. Let's just say Captain Marvel came out tomorrow, but it was on Netflix. It's not going to feel the same. I mean, it's, we're going to all go. We're going to be together. We're all going to buy reserved seating. We're excited yeah. about yeah. it. That's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't want that aspect to be gone, but um, I it's hard. King Tom's right. It's hard to back Spielberg on this one because he's already made all his success and he's mm-hmm. at the top of the top. Like he said, man, that's hard. I do think that what you just said with, you know, Spielberg, he he's at the top of the heap. And when you I think when you get up there, it's sort of easy to forget what it was like before you were up there. And, you know, how do you, how is, as, as, as times have changed, okay, the likelihood of certain, like a meteoric rise from, for somebody in a, in a field is, becomes less and less likely, right? So I'll just give you an example. And I know it's like, oh my gosh, how's how's it going to work this in? But my dad, okay, he was in the Navy. And after he was out, he studied electronics and then got a job at this company that makes uh, like big, heavy fabrication equipment, like press brakes and stuff. Anyway, he was working the shop for like two weeks and they realized that he was really smart and he was it became part of the service department. He traveled all over the world, like working on stuff. And then he became the vice president of customer service. Then he became vice president of operations. Then he became president of the corporation. Dude, that doesn't happen anymore. People don't go and start at the bottom rung Mm -hmm. of a job Mm -hmm. and 30 some odd years later retire at the top of the heap and have bought a huge chunk of the company and all that. That just doesn't occur. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Because times have have changed. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I think Spielberg, it's easy to say, well, nobody should be able to do this unless this. Well, man, those sorts of opportunities maybe aren't there anymore. I mean, not totally, but you understand what I'm saying. It's the same kind of thing. It's the same kind of deal, man. It's it's just a different time and the business model is skewed. And I, I don't know where I sit on this honestly but i i feel like it's kind of hard to back him up on it 
Well, Netflix came out with something on Twitter to respond to him. It was pretty, pretty cool what they put. They put, we love cinema. Here are some things we also love. Access for people who can't afford or live in towns without theaters. Letting everyone everywhere enjoy releases at the same time. Giving filmmakers more ways to share art. These things are not mutually exclusive. And this was put out by the official Netflix Twitter account, which yeah. I, I agree with all. Of I agree things. with all of that, too. I agree with King Tom in, at the tail end of what he said. I'm going to want to go see the blockbusters. I'm going to want to hang out and, and enjoy those events. And I think the way studios are going is, is that that's what their thing is, is let's let's just throw blockbusters out there. It takes a lot. You know, for me to go see something that's going to be critically acclaimed and, you know, that is like we all say a film, you know, there's movies and then there are films Mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, you'll catch the buzz and go see it. And a lot of times, you know, a a lot of people don't go see those movies. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Roma was going to break the bank. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, if you put it in the theaters no, and go, no. here you go, this is Alfonso Cuarón's, you know, magnum opus, here it is, and it makes $6 million, like, people are going to go, that's a total flop, it's a total loss, and then all of a sudden, Oscar time, why would this movie win? It was a flop. Like, it's always going to, there's always some tinge of criticism, or it's, you never come out, like, shining, completely yeah. shining. That's a great point, man. And so it's it's one of those things where now I can I have the access to go see Roma without spending twenty five to fifty dollars to go see this and sit there with just myself in there, you know what I mean? Or or any movie like that, you know, if you go sit there and it's just you and your friend and it's like, oh, this is such a great film, but you look at me you're like, dude, I just I just blew forty bucks mm-hmm. to watch this. Like, I could watch this on Netflix now. Well, and, and so, you're right, man. That's you're, what I'm saying. You're 100% like, right, because there's no way I would have watched Roma. That's, there's no way Roma probably not. wouldn't have been made. A big studio wouldn't have let him do what he did. Right, and, and closing the access off, too, we're getting a lot more people of color making films. They need a platform. They need mm-hmm. the streaming services. This is the indie route. You know what I mean? This is becoming more of a bona fide indie route mm-hmm. instead of just... You know, if Kevin Smith would have been making movies during this time, he would love this. He'd be like, you know what? This is great. I can put all my clerks movies out there, all his other stuff. You know what I mean? And just have a platform where he doesn't have to worry about some, you know, studio exec going, okay, if this doesn't make any money, we want our money back. You know, you got to deal with that. Now, I get what you're saying about the actors because they got to make money, too. But I also look at it as the more work you do, Mm -hmm. the bigger your portfolio gets. Mm Mm-hmm. People will go, okay, that you're, Boyd Holbrook guy is a pretty good actor. Let's you're going to get, get paid at some time. Yeah. At some point, yeah. And I mean, and think about it. There's a lot, a lot, all these other, HBO does their own original movies all the time. Yeah. I just watched a movie with uh, Jeffrey, oh God, what's. Uh, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. I was going to say that. No, yeah. no, the guy from Westworld, Je- Jeffrey Ross, not Ross. Jeff Ross, huh? Not him. Was it a roast? Oh man, you guys know who I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. But he, uh. A movie called OG about being in prison. And it's a great movie. Should it have been released in the theaters? Probably, but it wouldn't have made a ton of money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this guy, more likely going to get an award or, you know, get his awards and all that stuff. But 
everybody does it. I just don't see why Spielberg is going, okay, we can't have this anymore. Because guess what? If he was young Spielberg putting together movies like he, oh, he would have loved this. He'd oh, yeah. be like, oh, I'm going to use this thing. He would have made a movie a month. To, to the fullest, exactly. Mm-hmm. He would have shot left, right, and center. But what would have sucked is seeing <clears throat> Jaws in your living room, not in the big screen, but hearing John Williams' score and seeing Richard Dreyfus, yes, Dreyfus, and seeing Roy Schneider. I would mm-hmm. not want to see Jaws Chafee. in my fucking living room. But then you would have to say, by the time he got to a point to or, make or Jaws. Thir- or E.T. Or third... Uh, Close Encounters. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, or but, Raiders. But say he makes a couple of independent movies and then the studio finally goes, all right, man, here's the budget to do this, but we're going to release E.T. in the theaters. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Is like, With this whole statement, I think Spielberg has lost the what he feels is the art of movie making. Hmm. He's making the connection. Sadly, that's, that's what movie making is now, is money to quality. It's that's not what movie making is. That's not what making an art is, you know, you know, painting or whatever stuff like that. If you want to make something that's beautiful and that you love and you put your blood, sweat and tears into, forget the money. Who cares how much money you make? That's what Roma is about. That's what Roma is about. It, they, they didn't give a shit about how much money it made. They knew it wasn't going to make any, but he wanted to make something. He made something that was beautiful. Might not be my favorite movie, but I can still. <laughs> it was beautifully done. Absolutely, the cinematography might have been the, the longest s- movie in the history of mankind to yes, watch. The story that was told, all of it, it is an incredible movie. I'm, you know, it's not my not my top ten, that's for sure. But it deserves to be in the best picture category, absolutely, without a doubt. I think Spielberg is blending, sadly, which a lot of people are doing now, is that money is quality, or how much money it makes is the quality of the film. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He has made several movies that are not blockbusters, but they're amazing films. Amazing films where it's just, you can see what he's doing. You can feel how he feels and what he's putting on the screen is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think I think he's just lost touch or been blinded by the, the money that people are making, things like that. And I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think this really... Makes Spielberg look bad, makes him look old, mm-hmm. makes him look just out of touch, and it and it it makes me sad. It really does because I'm you know he he seemed to be at the forefront of doing things. You know he said, "What is it? Animation was going to be you know the future and things like that." As far as like you know stories like uh, Toy Story and How right. to Train Your Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon, people are talking about it, giving it you know. Oscar nuts, all the awards, all yeah. the awards and shit like that. That's incredible. And he said that first and he's made so many strides for so many different people and been at the forefront. And now he just seems like he's grandpa sitting on his, on his rocking chair, telling people to get off his lawn. Mm. I, I, we don't need him to turn into James Cameron. Absolutely not. And that's, and that would be so sad. Why are you such a dick? James Cameron. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I hope, I hope he doesn't, continue to push this like james cameron good thing you brought him up like he does where he's just digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper so yeah uh i don't i don't know i don't know it just doesn't seem i don't like it i don't like it and he he's just seems like he's just getting old and pushing himself out of hollywood as it as it would seem plus he's not gonna stop anything this is the future this is what everybody's doing if if somebody can What's, what's going to happen eventually is where people are just going to make Netflix movies because they know that they're not going to make millions of dollars. And if that means that I get more movies that are 
fantastic quality and they're only going to make like less mid like less than six million dollars who gives a fuck how much money they make but it's a beautiful film for a fantastic movie and i can only see the star wars or the big major blockbusters in theaters so be it because i get more content higher quality just easier access absolutely that's that's the case absolutely i am gung-ho another aspect to this is that all the movies right now are being so monopolized by superhero movies, big budget films. At least there's an outlet for these other films. Absolutely. You know what I mean? There's Absolutely. an outlet. Yeah, so. they're they're not being closed off or the damn isn't coming out where it's, you know, unless it makes a billion dollars, we don't like it. No, people are like, yes, make your movie, go for it. Because, you know, because it's easy to put up. There's... There's no movie theater, you know, uh, charges and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Just give me, give me more quality content all day. Yeah. But, you know, this is just the sort of thing that happened with the music industry. Mm-hmm. The days of the huge record deal and all that, it was so prohibitive. The opportunities were so few and far between, and there was no other way to be a successful musician that was doing original music without landing a major label deal. Mm -hmm. But then when things flipped over, man, people were able to take way more control of, of their destiny in that area. And it's, it's really allowed some really good music to get made that maybe never would have been out there before. True. That's a great point as well. You guys are coming through with some great points here. Well done people. Well done. Now, going to superhero comic book TV movie news, (laughs) we had another Shazam trailer. Yep. And it was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And I want to play it because it was pretty damn funny. So let's watch the Shazam trailer. Baby Bats, I choose you as a champion. So my powers will become yours. Shazam. Are you for real? Say it, okay? Say my name. Shazam! That's crazy, right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude, I don't even know how to pee in this thing. I love the tip of it. This is proof of authenticity. Super strength. Electricity manipulation. Hyper speed. I'd like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. Great song, by the way. Captain Sparkle Fingers. No, it's not. It's not my. That's not my name. Chosen one. Oh, you're like a bad guy, right? You literally did the opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do. You're him. You're the hero. You're welcome for not getting wrong. I'm Batman. Get him back in. How old are you? Basically, fifteen. So he's going to save a bus from falling off a bridge. Dude, did you see that? Yeah, you electrocuted a bus and almost killed these people. And then I caught it! (laughs) 
can leave tall buildings in a single bound. Jumps up and smashes into the middle of the building. Guys, it looks really good. I, I think this is going to be a winner. I'm telling you. I think they got a, mm-hmm. they got something special here. Um, so I'm very excited about this. It looks funny. Zachary Levi Levy, whatever you want to call him, he looks and he's playing the part perfectly. Uh, Les, you know a lot about Shazam. Is this a version of Shazam that's in the comics or are they mm-hmm. doing something totally different with it? Completely. He's a, he's a little boy with uh, God's powers. Okay, so he's this like so, yeah, bumbling. He's, he's he's not. Yeah, he's not. He's not the seasoned veteran. Uh, he has plenty of uh, what is it? Plenty of faults. Plenty of um, almost like Spider Man when he has his yeah in the beginning. Up. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that for Shazam. Uh, a lot of times he gets manipulated as far as the comics goes because he's a kid. So in the story Kingdom Come, Lex Luthor's had him hiding since he was a little boy and just grooming him to hate superheroes. Got it. And by the time he gets to be a grown man, he's basically Shazam. And, you know, and he fights Superman and almost kills him. Uh, Damn. That's pretty, pretty accurate. Pretty dead on. What we're getting. Yeah. Very cool. Very excited about this. All right. Let's do an email from the Lumberjack Nick. Remember last couple of weeks ago, we read... An email from the wonderful and the very prestigious Lumberjack Nick. And he gave me the okay to read. Sal usually does it on now this podcasting. He gave me the okay. Jason gave me the okay. So we're going to try this again. We have a new email. <coughs> Here we go. Will you tell me something, Mr. Lumberjack? Is it one for forward and three for back? Is it two for stop or four for go? Hey, y'all. Thanks for reading my letter on the air last week. You did such a great job at reading it and sounded so much like me. I was confused at first, but I thought I had visited your studio and couldn't remember ever being there. I think that would be sarcasm from Lumberjack Nick, perhaps. Anywho, somewhat in relation to Rotten Tomatoes, bull dungy that happened with Captain Marvel over the weekend. It's not the vocal minority that really burns me out. Last year, the backlash to both Last Jedi and Solo caused me to subconsciously start falling away from being active in the community, which really sucks. I didn't realize it was happening until about New Year's. I've heard others express similar emotion to mine, and I'm asking for all yours advice. Other than the cliche, be the positivity you want to see, or do a little small group idiots ruin the party, what can you suggest to help me and others who wear their emotions on their sleeves to not be so bummed out by these Poop slinging diggalings. <laughs> Boy, ask a whistle punk. I don't know. Lumberjack Nick. Well, thanks, Lumberjack Nick. Thank you for that again. Thank you for contributing to the Sith list. Eric, what do you suggest Lumberjack Nick does to stay positive amongst this Bolsheviks we call Twitter? Some All of the right. some of the Bolsheviks, you know, it's hard. Okay, I'm not gonna lie because it does start to wear you down. But I'll tell you what, you have to do. You have to, as soon as you see it, just stop. Don't read it. Don't read the comments because you know all it's gonna do is make you mad. Don't let other people's opinions ever, ever 
make you question your own opinion when it's when you feel firm in it. And don't be afraid to like the things you like. And I realize that it's not just about how do I keep them from making me not like it. Don't don't let buttholes chase you away from something that you dig. It's remarkably easy to start shoving that stuff away. Block, mute, block, mute. Mm-hmm. That's right. And 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 taking breaks from it is okay. It's totally fine. Social media is great and terrible all at the same time. <laughs> and yeah. I know several people who have lead happy, productive lives who have really scaled back their social media presence. And and it's it's totally cool. It's just like real life. Hang out, spend time with the people you like and distance yourself from the ones that you don't. Very well done, Eric. Ace job. Very Thanks, well Dad. done. Speaking of ace job and speaking of you doing Lumberjack Nick voice, Les, you imitating me was spot on. I went back and listened to it and I was <laughs> like, holy crap, dude, it was so good. I The very first time I thought they went and grabbed a clip of me saying something and snuck that in there. <laughs> That's how good it was. That's wow. Okay. I'll take it. I think you, I could read it. And then when you came back at the, at the end with killer, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm so cheesy. Next email we have from Calvin. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my first email to a podcast. Ace job last week, Eric. You were amazing. This week, sir, I'd like to know what Mr. Gonzalez thinks of the new Guardians of the Galaxy book issue two released last week and who you think Thanos consciousness will have been transferred to after his death. The new team is amazing. Thanos dies. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, that is a spoiler. Yeah. That's actually a major comic spoiler uh, for people who read. (laughs) This new team is amazing. Donnie Cates is my favorite comic writer and I'm really excited to see what comes of this six part series. Terrible lumberjack naked Raj. Stick to the Eric impression. Also terrible. How dare you, Calvin? <laughs> Good lesson in being yourself somewhere in there. Boo, the fuck, man? Your lady friend lives in San Diego. I know you've been down here. Can't take some kind of time to come hang with your boy? Straight malarkey, man. Full-blown malarkey, dude. Yeah, Full what's up? Let's all talk about this. Hi, you have not hit up Calvin yet. It's a, it's a, we only get like a weekend. We only get like a weekend when I'm and down. And they only there. have eyes for each other. Pretty, pretty close. That's right. Only have eyes. Don't listen to Calvin. You talk shit on my Lumberjack Nick. <laughs> I will say that Lumberjack Nick was very happy with the impression. So that's all I care about is his opinion. <laughs> Calvin, we'll, we'll hang out plenty at Celebration. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. All of us will be all together. It'll be all good. So, hey, Calvin, I'm going to be honest, man. I haven't read. Any of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm guessing, I know that it's been, I know the team has the new Ghost Rider on it uh, and a few other, like, really cool, like, heroes from all over the, over the place. I think Gladiator and uh, they took Voyager from Avengers No Surrender and put, put her on there, too. I kind of want to wait for all six issues to come out and then go ahead and pick up all six because mm-hmm. that's what I'll, I'll try to do for any kind of You normally of, like, do that. Yeah, I usually do that. So that's the idea for me right now. Um, but I do know Donnie Cates is doing a lot of good work out there. So we'll see in a few months, and I'll, I'll probably end up liking it. How cool was it today 
in our program, our youth program, that Les walks into my office oh, yeah. with a oh, thick yeah. ass book. And it was all the old school Marvel comics, um, all in one. And it was such a beautiful book. And one of our kids ha- was reading the Marvel Star Wars comics. The legends. The yeah. Le- yeah. The old school, old school ones. Old so. school. The ones that came out when the movies were out. That's right. So cool to see that. Well, yeah, I walked in and he's like, hey, 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 Les, look, check it out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I finally walked in a little later and I'm like, what are you looking at? And he's like, this is Star Wars, man. And I looked and I'm like, oh, I got to show this to my, to a Raj real quick. Oh, it's beautiful. So yeah, it was, it was definitely gorgeous. Yeah. I almost stole it from the kid. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to keep it. <laughs> Confiscate. He doesn't deserve it. Confiscate. What does he know about Star Confiscate. Wars? Confiscate. That's the one. That's right. Confiscate. As you all know, a few months ago, it's been a long time ago, actually, we had a wonderful screenplay submitted to us by one rusty Rustin Brown. And we did like kind of like a radio drama, and it left us on a cliffhanger. And I think it's time for Welcome, 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 Part 2 by Rusty Brown. Previously on Welcome, Welcome, Welcome. Les Crunch Crunch Gonzalez has vanished. Upon his absence, a mighty team known as the Sith List has dispatched to find and return Les home. With the help from a hidden ally within the city, the team has found a clue to the whereabouts of the missing man. In a daring rescue, the team relies on the one and only Boo Arguello to reach Studio City in time to save Les. They brave a daring rescue. Exterior, roadway, night. Two hours since Les has gone missing. We move down onto an empty roadway, in the early hours of the morning, stoplights flicker orange, but suddenly turn all red. The crosswalk ignites, and an old grandma slowly makes her way across the crosswalk, but suddenly, the old lady flies through. We move out to notice a vehicle speeding off in the distance. Interior vehicle night. Carlos Arguello is driving. Go fucking figure. The team screams in fear. I don't mean to be a pest of any sorts, but I think you just killed that nice young lady back there. Enough, Big Charlie. She was old. She needed to die. <laughs> I want to stop right now. Just in that line, you're a thousand times better in life. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I just want to show you. Somebody's been practicing. Somebody's been practicing. Well, I haven't had this script. This is the first, <laughs> this is the first run. All right. All right, all right, all right. I took my criticism uh, to heart. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Goddamn. Okay, uh, go ahead with the line again. Oh, fuck. You want it again? Yeah. Uh, want you want perfection again? God damn it. Faster. And- more intense. <laughs> Enough, Big Charlie. She was old. She needed to die. Jesus Christ, Boo, you just killed someone. What the fuck, Boo? Stop this car now. Oh, <laughs> go fuck yourself, Raj. And by the way, get off the steroids. They're not fooling anyone anymore. Uh, you're a funny guy. It's called working out something you don't know. <laughs> Guys, stop. You're acting like children worse than normal. (laughs) That's a real good one, Araj. Why don't you fly away on your magic carpet and jack off a genie while you're at it? (laughs) Wait, time out. Jack off a genie? That's the first time I've ever heard. Rub 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 the the lamp out. I get it, I get it. Rub it out of the lamp, dude. Rusty. Okay, go ahead. Boo, quit being such an ass. You know the guy's name was Gene. 
you're the one that dragged us out here in the first place. <laughs> yeah, what Lorena said. Quit being such a pussy. Pussy. Get it? His name was Gene. He jacked off a genie. His yeah. name was Gene. Genius. It's your line, Eric. <laughs> it's, it it is your line, sir. <laughs> I got myself laughing now. Okay. That's good. Okay. Back to the character. By the All way, right, the voice of Lorena played by Eric Struthers. Yes. Okay, settle down. Honey, listen to me. I know you're scared, and I can see that. If we're going to work together, we need to work together. Trust me. Boo starts to become belligerent. He slams the dashboard. When has that ever worked out? Look, Ariana and Pete Davidson. They were a team, and look what happened to them. Done. Nonsense. We're a team. Just look at you and Brittany. If you guys can, we can. If I'm a big Charlie, then yes, I am. And if I'm a big Charlie, then yes, I can. That's exactly right. If big Charlie can do it, then so can you. I just want to find my friend. Jesus. What if he's dead? Less dead? Doesn't surprise me too much. <laughs> Actually, that fucking crush <laughs> That's harsh, man. Yeah. All right. Let me. Let me. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so mean. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Bless dad. Doesn't surprise me too much, actually. That fucking crunch crunch deserves it for eating my popcorn. Guys, relax. He's not dead, at least not yet. Lord knows what the man is doing right now. Probably eating. <laughs> well, at least we still have George H.W. Bush. Roger and Big Charlie look at each other in panic. Uh, yeah. Now that that's out of the way, how are you and Brittany doing, boo? <laughs> Um, um, uh, she's not pregnant if that, if that says anything. There was one time where... Boo! Shut up! That's TMI. You keep those things to yourself. We don't need to know about those things. Fine. Then I'll just tell Big Charlie. I'm okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about your hair. Boo, is it going back yet? Yeah, Boo. Have you washed your comforter since you wet the bed last? <gasps> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> you guys sure do pester me a lot. Wait, 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 wait. Why the hell are you driving? You're drunk. I'm buzzed. There's a difference. No, there's not a difference, you insane Oompa Loompa. <laughs> Give me the car keys, Gandalf. <laughs> I'm a big Charlie. Boo looks over at Big Charlie. You're big, all right. You're a big fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, that's it. Rajan buckles his seatbelt, opens his hands, and slaps Boo across the face. <laughs> Boo starts to cry. <laughs> Boo, stop the car now, or else I'll tell Brittany everything. I just got bitch slapped. Did anybody <laughs> fucking notice that? Yeah, you, fuck you, is going you did. On? What's to tell her? I already, sh I'm, <laughs> I'm already short and balding. So what, what? What can get any worse? We should just give up, guys. There's no way that we're gonna find him now. Boo veers the vehicle over to the shoulder of the roadway. He unbuckles his seatbelt. Opens the glove compartment and cracks open a Miller Lite. Lorena places her hand on Boo's. Boo, look at me. L look at me. There's something I wanted to tell you. When you were born, I looked into your eyes and I saw something that amazed me. I saw a spark of something that still continues to surprise me to this day. Do you know what I saw? I saw a pussy! <laughs> <laughs> the cars erupt with laughter. Everyone hysterically laughs, laughs at the joke. Boo continues to cry. They slowly stop and notice that he's hurt. 
Not physically, but emotionally. <laughs> I saw something too, boo. You weren't even there when I was born, you sick bastard. <laughs> you were probably off on your magic carpet. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> Second of all, you need help. Maybe you need to give me the keys and all of this chit chat will be done and over with. Maybe you need to shut up. Maybe you need to grow some hair. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Boo opens the door and sprints outside into the serpent black surrounding. He disappears like nothing. First of all, I'm not sprinting. Let's be real <laughs> That's here. That's true. Let's be real. I am, I am not sprinting. Exterior roadway night continued. Everyone exits the vehicle and scans for Boo in the darkness. Boo! Come back, Boo! Where did you go? They continue to scan the area. While they're doing that, Big Charlie snuffles into a secluded area to find something. His eyes emerge. Hey, you guys, I think I found something. Everyone runs over to Big Charlie to notice that 80s bar. <gasps> if I know Boo, there's only one place that he would be, and that's inside that bar. Lorena, you take Big Charlie and go around the back. I'll see if he's inside. I'm a Big Charlie. Yes, I can. That's right, baby. Go find your master. <laughs> She's talking to me. <laughs> Lorena and Big Charlie sprint off round back while Arad slowly walks towards the entrance. He looks around at the many people in the vicinity. Interior, that 80s bar, night. Cue music, George Michael, Careless Wizard. I love that song. Arad walks into the bar while he notices a familiar song playing. He looks around and notices a band playing on the center stage. His eyes emerge inches bigger and notices something he's seen before. Someone he's seen before. That's not the only thing that's inches bigger. <laughs> what the? He continues to walk forward to notice a man. A man lathered with gorgeous hair. A man that is not like any other man. A man that is unique in his own very way. A man, Eric Strawbins. While Eric's playing, him and Araj lock eyes. Eric blows Araj a kiss, and he catches it. Puts it in his pocket. Eric continues to play while the tension grows. Is that what we're calling now? Tension? <laughs> Eric winks <laughs> while Araj starts to pull off his shirt. Araj is shredded. Stop music. Definitely not. The song stops, yet their eyes are still chained together. This is getting hot. and This is some fanfic right here, dude. Yeah, this, this is some, is some this rusty some fanfic. Yeah, dude. Emily Lynn fanfiction here. <laughs> Eric steps off the stage and proceeds to a Raj. They stand feet apart while staring at each other. There is an awkward silence. So you finally came back for more. You finally came back to Uncle Eric. Oh, I wish it were that easy, man. I, I need your help. It's less, isn't it? Afraid so. Where is he? Fucking Studio City. For fuck's sake, Studio City. Unfortunate circumstances. Eric walks closer to Araj. Araj gasps as Eric touches his hand. Man, you look good. Been working out. Araj flings his hand off, his but smirks. You notice something you were always <laughs> terrible at. Oh, Lord. Ex-lovers, huh? <laughs> Exterior, that 80s bar. Night. Lorena walks Big Charlie while he sniffs to find his master. He continues to sniff until we notice a familiar shirt laying on the ground. Oh, no. Big Charlie barks while Lorena walks over to it. Young lady, I think I found something. 
Lorena walks over to notice Boo's wife beater covered in blood. Oh, Boo, what have you done? I'm going to call him. Phone rings and rings and rings. Why didn't we try calling him earlier? That's what I was thinking, yeah. (laughs) No answer. Hi, this is Boo. Leave your name and number and I'll try to get back to you. After I put my... (laughs) After I put in my hair supplements. (laughs) Lorena slams her phone onto the ground. Gosh darn it. Keep looking, Big Charlie. Interior, that 80s bar, night. Oh no. Raj and Eric sit at a booth facing each other. Under the table, they are gradually play footsies. So that's all you got? That's all I got. It just doesn't make any sense. Why Studio City? Are you sure it's there? Don't question my judgment. And besides, I know it's a Studio City. What other city could it be? Oh, I I know a few. (laughs) (laughs) I miss this. Us. Together. Raj. Stop. Dude, we're both married now. And besides, I'm only here for less. Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> only less. <laughs> I think I may know where he's at. Suddenly, Lorena and Big Charlie run towards Eric and Arav. Lorena is crying. Arav comforts her. Honey, what's, what's wrong? This! Lorena reveals Boo's bloody wife beater. Hey! You, you guys found my wife beater. <laughs> I've been looking all around for that. Wait! So it isn't booze? <laughs> of course not. Booze in the back room drinking with the band. Boo, come out here right now. Reveal Boo Arguel. What do you guys want? I know what you want. More hair and a <laughs> penis. That's for <laughs> We have a clue, Boo. Wait, that rhymes. Look at me, Araj and a rhymer. <laughs> Araj the lover, baby. Everyone is now sound silent. <laughs> Guys, there's something I want to tell you. Oh my gosh, Boo, are you gay? <laughs> I know what it's like to be rejected, Raj. I really do. I know how hard it is to be rejected by the ones you care about. W- what are you getting at, man? The Aladdin role. I'm sorry. To me, you'll always be Aladdin. Lorena will always be Jasmine, and Big Charlie will always be my genie. But what about you, Carlos? Who do you think you are? Well, I'm whatever you need me to be. Family, a friend, shit, even a, maybe even a lover. Raj looks down at his door of the Explorer. Watch. Time's getting late. Eric, get what we need. Do you know where he could be? Eric looks determined. <sighs> Let's go get him. Exterior, that 80s bar, night. Raj, Lorena, Boo, Big Charlie, and Eric Struthers are now a team. A team that is determined to find less Crunch Crunch Gonzalez. They enter the vehicle, put the car into drive. and smooth off into the glistening sunlight. The journey has only begun. To be continued. Uh, that was so fun. And Rusty, thank you. Sorry it took so long. We just have been having guests, so we haven't had a chance to do this, but it was well worth it. And I'm so happy that I got to play footsies with Eric. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Well, well, well done. Now, we're going to end this podcast with something that we were supposed to talk to Mr. Struthers about a couple of weeks ago with the whim, and I forgot to bring it up last week, but I don't know if you listened to a couple of weeks ago, Eric, where um, the whim had a, an email about different musical styles, 
and who I think if I'm not mistaken, you guys helped me out. The question was, um, who is your favorite musical musical style? Does that make sense by an artist? Like when you hear when you hear the Edge, you know instantly it's the Edge. When you hear Prince, you know it's Prince. Who is your favorite artist that has its has his or her own style? Oh man. Well, there's just so many things, but it's like, is that my favorite? No, but you know, is it, is it, okay, so, well, like, Eddie Van Halen is the most recognizable, iconic player, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, um, in their prime? Yeah, in their their heyday, in their heyday, Journey. Journey was instantly recognizable, not only from obviously Steve Perry's vocals, but just their production. Neil Sean's guitar playing his sound and his phrasing also. Mm -hmm. Just the approach to the keyboards, their approach to songwriting and layering. Um, uh, I don't know that I could, I don't really, I don't have a favorite that I could pin down, a favorite, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's what makes it tough, but like, there's just, there's all kinds that Led Zeppelin total yeah, Jimmy Page definitely sure. had a a sound that you would recognize instantly, and that's why any band that even remotely sounds like that, they're instantly compared to Led Zeppelin, not some other band that sounds like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You know, and, and Pink Floyd as well. Yeah, yeah, Pink Floyd definitely definitely has a thing. They it gets a little bit harder the more modern you get. Hmm. And it's just, that's not a bad thing, but it's just things have become more homogenized and it takes Mm -hmm. somebody to come out of left field and do something completely bizarro. That's true. With it to really stick out. Uh, Some things that might surprise people, like let's just talk guitar players. If you take Al Petrelli, Al Petrelli is one of my favorite guitar players. And that's because he's, like the dude behind the Trans-Siberian Orchestra mm-hmm. on all their studio recordings, especially the first two records, man. He plays everything on them. But his playing style is super cool. He plays behind the beat, and that's a, like a whole musical thing, but his phrasing is very behind the beat, and it's neat, and it taught me how to how to do that, how to play behind the beat and get in front of the beat and be able to tell the difference and use it for a, a tool, you know? And that's a very Al Petrelli thing. I hear his phrasing and be like, oh, that's Petrelli. So, yeah, I don't know, though. Because Prince is one, like you said, that's mm-hmm. just, you. there's no mistake in it. Oh, that's Prince. That's him, all right. Yeah, right when Prince starts playing, you yeah. know it's him instantly. Yeah, like yeah. It's, even even The Edge, if, if you don't like U2 or if you do like U2, you know it's The Edge playing by the first five seconds of his, his guitar riff. I, I, I right, remember... Because he- he plays two notes and then there's yeah. 30 echoes. Yes, right. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I remember, and even now, and I don't know how I answered this question last week. I don't even think I did, but whatever. Uh, you didn't answer a question? No, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't. No. But uh, for hip hop, I could pick producers out. Mm, that's Insta- cool. Like be able to go, okay, that's a Timbaland beat. Or, oh, that's Pharrell and the Neptunes doing something. Ah, oh, yeah. Or be able to say, oh, well, that's a Kanye West. Yeah, or and this Dre. Is, yeah, or you go, okay, this has a little bit. All right, that's Dre. Um, 
and even or even to the point where you could kind of tell where some people who start dabbling, you know what they're doing. Like Eminem has a very distinct production. Like his his beats are, you can tell. Okay, this is something he would rap over. Um, and I mean, now a lot of producers, especially for hip hop, they you know they say their name or whatever. But for the most part, DJ Khaled. Yeah, exactly. But for the most part, the good ones don't say anything. You can just tell you go, oh, you start listening. You go, okay, that, you know, by the samples, you can tell that's a Kanye beat Mm -hmm. or the way the drums hit. That's Timbaland. Like if there's a lot of keyboard, you go, okay, wait, there's some keyboard and a little bit of acoustic guitar in here. Oh, that's Pharrell and Neptunes. Like it's. It becomes where, you know, you hear enough of it and you can go, okay, now do I know their music, but I know when they're producing for someone else. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I hope that finally answers your question, Wim. Thank you for the email. And thank you for reminding me on Twitter that I didn't answer the fucking question. So I appreciate that as well. How dare you? But thank you. (laughs) All right, guys. I think that wraps it up for episode number 135. Thank you for listening and tuning in to us. We so appreciate it. You have no idea. Rusty Brown, thank you for bringing that amazing epic <laughs> screenplay to life. Well, on words, and we brought it to life. I think Netflix might want to pick this thing up. I'm not, I'm not going to ship it. I'm not going to try to sell it to Spielberg, but I'm definitely going to send it over to Netflix. <laughs> should other people we'll... send us scripts that they wanted? Oh, no. I think Emily and Linda Lynn should send us one because oh, that would be pretty, uh, you know. Lord. You and Eric will be definitely going at it. Yeah, yeah, you and Eric. If if Lindo sends it, you and Eric are going at it in some capes. It's it's going down. You sure you want that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But again, thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you next week on episode number 136 of The Sit List.